Welcome back, everyone. This is the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. I'm your host, Scott, joined by Rich with your average everyday Chiefs talk. All of our episodes are available on most streaming platforms. Just search for the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. You can also check us out on our social media pages, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest episodes and up-to-date Chiefs news. So speaking of up-to-date Chiefs news, obviously there was a Chiefs news here today, um, obviously with Travis Kelsey um, basically restructuring his contract to have more cap space for the Chiefs for this season if they want to you know, sign someone, trade for somebody, uh, whatnot. It also it cleared about roughly, I think it was, what, 3.45 million in cap space. But I think after, you, if you go to um, one of the, you know, salary cap websites, it's basically like, I think they're about, I think around 3 million and one, something like 3 million and 1,000 or something like that, 3.1, um, somewhere around that, depending on what website, I think another website might say around, 3.4. So um, what are your thoughts uh, on that, Rich, today that uh, obviously with Kelsey, you know, restructuring his contract, are they looking to just use this money to get through the rest of the year or is it after actual player that they might be going after? The fan in me that's looking for excitement and something to really um, spark, let's say, us after a defeat to the Bills is saying that that move is done to go make some kind of acquisition that'll help make the team better, a significant acquisition. But yeah, I think realistically, it's more of just a get by so they have some kind of money, right? In case they do need to make smaller acquisitions, move guys up and down from practice squad. Um, if, you know, someone gets hurt, they got to move people over, so on and so forth. So I think it's more of your typical um, just get through the year versus us making a move for somebody. Right. And, but it does get us fans talking about it, right? Like, I mean, obviously in our chat today, we're trying to, you know, sit here like, uh, I mean, obviously the one that's been, people have been talking about, you know, since the beginning of the year is Odell Beckham Jr. You know, well, you know, how much will he play for on, you know, half of a season? Um, you know, will, will he come to Kansas City? Uh, what about the Panthers that they're, you know, pretty much trying to dump some players uh, like Brian Burns would be perfect for our defensive end situation you know that we have uh for a line to improve the line or uh maybe like you said just it, it could really be anything it just kind of just makes fans kind of speculate what they really do it for but like you said at the end of the day it could just be like them moving around stuff and just signing someone into our practice squad um you know somebody not be anybody uh, you know really at all but uh it, it definitely gets uh, gets us thinking that's for sure oh yeah so we'll just have to you know kind of wait and see um you know kind of what goes on with that um, so I know, so before we get into the, um, Bills and Chiefs, uh, recap from this past Sunday afternoon, I know you were in, um, I believe you were in Wichita, right? For a soccer tournament. I was, I can ask you how that went this weekend. Yeah. So, um, obviously not what we wanted, right? We wanted to win a trophy, but, um, I mean, we won our first game and then we tied our last two. We end up not playing in the finals because of a goal differential. Um, so we just didn't score enough, right, to make it to the finals, but mm -hmm. I mean, um, uh, from a positive coach perspective, um, we didn't lose. We didn't give up a single goal. Um, and, yeah, we just got knocked off by one goal. So it was fun. It's You know, those things are always fun, right, because you're never around your players and their families all day like you are at tournaments. So it's always yeah. a cool little experience. And it's always nice to just get away. Didn't travel too much. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so overall, 
Um, not what we wanted from a results perspective, but, you know, good experience. So I got to ask you, though. So, like, so you said, like, you guys didn't make the finals because of, the, obviously, the point differential. Um, you know, obviously, that's how, you know, soccer works. But to not even give up a goal and to not make the finals, that's got to be a little bit devastating, right? I mean, that's kind of odd that, you know, you, you made it all the way far, but you just didn't have enough points to make it there to the finals. Yeah, man, like I said, I think – I guess maybe it's the American in me, but I hate ties. I get why they're why they do them in soccer, right? Because it's a very, very difficult game, and sometimes that's what teams play for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I've said it at the pro level too. Like, I think if a game ends in a tie, you just go straight to PKs, and there should always be a winner or a loser. Um, but I get why ties are done in the frame of a results perspective. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, but yeah, soccer is just an unfair game because of ties. I know. You can tie in football, but obviously you tie at a much higher rate in soccer than you do in any other sport. And that's what I like about uh, hockey because hockey is kind of similar, right? I mean, they do tie yep. in an aspect, but what it happens is they go – like they play like a short – um, like a five-minute period, right, in overtime for hockey. And also it's like three-on-three three as well, so it's a little bit shorter. But if it's still tied, then they go to um, – Obviously, you know, like uh, penalty shootout. kicks, not penalty kicks, right. sorry, shootout. Um, thinking soccer there. Yeah, you go to the shootout. And um, so, like, obviously, so you, for one, you go to overtime in hockey, right? You still get one point. You still get a point no matter what. And then the winning team from either overtime or shootout gets that extra point or something. It's, uh, it's like that. Right. For So it's like, I like that the hell you still do it that same way where it's not like it's a flat out tie, you know? Yep. So that's what I like about that, too. Um, which yeah, I, I mean, wish, like I said, soccer did that. Yeah, I mean, like I've said, I get it. I get why they do it, but I think there's a way that someone can always come out on top. Yeah, I guess so. It's just, it is weird. Like, I mean, that's, I guess, the one downfall about soccer. And like I said, I enjoy soccer more than probably the next guy does that, you know, obviously watches soccer too, um, you know, to a, a hardcore degree. But I think that's just one downfall I have at the end of the day. It's like, man, these ties just kind of suck. But I guess that's kind of how it is. I mean, heck. And, you know, in NFL, obviously, like stuff we talk about, you know, um, in the regular season, they can still tie. You know, obviously, we've had, what, one this year? And I just, yeah. like, I never got that, you know. At least, I almost had one last night. Yeah. I mean, at least they'll, like, some kind of, like, uh, kickoff or, um, you know, the field goal kicker's got to kick the ball. I don't know, something like, something fun or, like, do it like college, right, where each one get the ball in the yeah. 2025 and. So there's a winner, right? Yeah, that would be that would be fun to do. But you know, it's it's when you get to the pros, it's like, well, you get it's more about injuries and safety and you know the grill and grind of the 17 game schedule and all that. So um, yeah, that's why it obviously doesn't happen professional uh, football. Yep. All right, so going into our Chiefs and Bills recap from the game, I guess I'll send it back to you over for the stats from the game. For sure. So. Uh, start off with the easiest one, which is the main pain, most painful one, the score, right? So Buffalo Bills 24, Chiefs 20, brings the Chiefs to 4-2, and two, and the Bills are now 5-1. and one. Chiefs are – or sorry, the Bills are now the best team in the AFC. I think, I think that puts them in second place overall in the NFL, but that doesn't matter since we have conferences, right? So getting into the numbers of things, from a team perspective, total yards by the Bills was 443. 318 in the air and 125 on the ground. Um, they were sacked once and they turned the ball over once. Or I think it was what the first drive of the game. I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't know they did it early, but I can't remember if it was the first 
or second driver of the game. But either way, they were close to their own. They were close to scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from a Chiefs side of things, you have 387 total yards, 319 in the air, and 68 on the ground, even though it feels like it was like two. Um, and then um, let's say sacked three times, turned the ball over twice. We, we know what those are. Um, so, yeah, get into the individual numbers. Josh Allen was 27 out of 40 for 329, three touchdowns. Of course, as I mentioned, uh, one sack and no interceptions, and he had a rating of 117.6. Devin Singletary led the way for them on the ground with 17 carries for 85 yards, no touchdowns. And then um, receiving-wise, Stephon Diggs had a really good game um, with 10 receptions, 148 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Gabriel Davis and Dawson Knox also had a touchdown as well on three catches. So um, from a Chiefs offensive perspective, Patrick Mahomes was 25 of 40 for 338 yards, two touchdowns. He was sacked three times and he threw two interceptions. His quarterback rating was 85.2. Leading the way from a rushing yards perspective, barely was Clyde Edwards-Alaire for... Nine carries, 32 yards. There were no touchdowns scored on the ground. And Travis Kelsey led the way with eight receptions, 108 yards. Uh, Sorry, from a receptions perspective, he led the way. From a yardage perspective, Juju Smith led the way with 113 on five receptions. He also scored his first touchdown of the season. Um, The other receiving touchdown was scored by McCall Hardman. And then defensively, from a combined tackles perspective, Nick Bolton led the bay, led way once again for the Chiefs. He had nine solo, four assisted. Tremaine Edmonds uh, led the way for the Bills. And then the interceptions made were, um, like I said, both by the Bills. Teron Johnson gets the one late in the game on Patrick. And then Kyrie Elam got one as well earlier in the game. And then for the Chiefs, and then from a, a, a sacks, Von Miller, um, you know, he kind of beat up on Andrew Wiley most of the night or most of the evening, most of the afternoon. He had two sacks. Um, Shaq Lawson also had a sack. And then on the Chiefs end, Chris Jones had a, had a sack as well. So continuing his great play um, this year so far. Brady is one of the highest um, pass rushers or just overall defensive linemen. And he's really kind of the only one that is up there. Um, you know, with the Von Millers, with the Greg Rousseau's, with the Max Crosby's, Chandler Jones's, of the teams that we play with. So, um, so yeah, those are the team and the individual numbers for this past weekend. All right. Thanks for that, Rich. And so on to the uh, highlights from the game. Uh, obviously, you when you had missed, uh, mentioned that Josh Allen uh, and the Bills on that first drive actually was that fumble. Uh, I believe it was he was trying to pitch – the ball to uh, what is his name starts with an M now can't even think of his name now um, Isaiah McKenzie Isaiah McKenzie right and then McKenzie kind of like dropped it just didn't really pitch it well to him so they kind of started off their game um, you know not, not not so well and I started off our game pretty well on that first drive and um, so then obviously you know we had gotten that ball um, next and that's when we had that like, that really nice drive it was. Um, it's like a 14-play, like 80-yard drive, I believe. And, um, you know, Mahomes does Mahomes things. And he's done, he's done like, uh, throws like this so many times that 
it's close to you know the goal line or you know inside the red zone and he's scrambling around and he's he gets right to he gets the you know that sideline right and he's like okay I'll find somebody open well he just kind of he tosses it up high enough for um Marvell's Vell scantily to catch it but you know it just obviously he didn't come down with the ball right and one of the um I can't remember the Bills cornerback that picked it off but one of their defensive backs picked off the ball in the back of the end zone uh which you know, it, it's one of those things that, um, and to kind of talk about more towards the end of the game here in a little bit, is that's one of the give and takes you get from Mahomes is there's times where maybe he should probably, you know, just go out of bounds, take the sack, throw the ball away. Um, but, I mean, there's there's always so many plays that he makes that he makes those plays happen. Um, you know, and it ends up being a better play than you know, people expect. So, um, you know, obviously right then and there, we probably could have gotten a field goal out of that and made it, you know, uh, had it three nothing at that point, but um, you know it's kind of one of those things. We're we're just kind of on your on on your take on that when you had seen that. Um, I know I said I wasn't sure exactly how much you had seen. Obviously, you know being away this weekend, but you know from that first drive, what you had seen. Yeah, I mean, um, I got to listen to it. So I definitely didn't get to see okay. it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was legit from from listening to it. Um, I guess it's kind of how I expected the drive to go, right? Um, nothing too crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the hard part is I was in the car driving back. So, right. you know, how much I remember from the first drive, um, you know, is, is almost slim to none. Yeah, it was a really good drive. It just it ended up, you know, obviously that bad interception there. Right. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, like you said, give and take what you get from Mahomes on sometimes on some of those plays that he, you know, does make. Uh, occasionally more than bad um, for that. So um, obviously they get the ball um, and they end up um, coming down, kicking a field goal. Um, and then we actually come back down right after that. Um, almost almost thought probably this next drive that the Chiefs have was probably going to be a four and out. Uh, and so on third down, uh, Mahomes throws a nice pass to uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, which he kind of does his Mahomes thing, right, where he kind of runs around a little bit. And he does his throw across the field, which you're not supposed to do in the NFL, but, you know, it's Mahomes. He does it, um, does it very well. Um, And then uh, Juju just made a nice broken tackle spin move um, for that 42-yard touchdown pass for his first Chiefs touchdown um, uh, from the team um, here this year. So um, that was actually, uh, I think that was really a nice, uh, like I said, nice play and design and just said pretty much better run, catch after – you know, what Juju did and for that run of with the touchdown, basically, um, after that. That was that was what uh, kind of started it all for us. And then after that, um, you know, basically was, I believe that, yeah, the Bills were driving, and this is when I think they had their, um, I want to say, they went for it on fourth down. And, um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember exactly at this point what happened. I know it was fourth and three um, when they're on the Chiefs' three-yard line, so obviously they're just, you know, they're the away team and they're just trying to, you know, get some, I get a touchdown basically up because, you know, three points against the Chiefs at home is not going to help in this game. You know, they're going to try to go for it as much as possible, right. um, figuring out. But uh, they ended up not getting it, which um, ended up leading to, um, you know, us getting the ball back. And I think, I think from there on out towards a little bit almost towards the end of the half, it was kind of back and forth. Defenses were stepping up, um, putting the ball back and forth, uh, leading up to, under two minutes where we pinned them about the three yard line. This is about, yes, it's a little bit right there under two minutes, about 
Um, the three yard line was nice punt by um, uh, Tommy Town. <sighs> Tommy Townsend. God, sometimes I was like, it's like too many T's. Sometimes I'm like trying to figure <laughs> out how to say his name. But yeah, Tommy Townsend, nice punt again. Um, that he's had all season long. He's done pretty well. Uh, pinned him at the three yard line, and we had him there. I, I think obviously we had, we sacked him. I think uh, Nick Bolton sacked him, put him to about even the one yard line, and we just could not. Um, we just couldn't stop him on third down and led to one play after another and then end up being a 34-yard touchdown from Josh Allen to uh, Gabe Davis. And it was a really nice pass, sideline pass. They did like, I think they did like two sideline passes on that drive, not three of them. Uh, just really nice pass by Allen. And uh, it was on, uh, I believe it was on Watson, one of the rookies there. Uh, where Gabe Davis scored that 34-yard touchdown. Yeah, I think was it what? I, I want to say it was, but I couldn't. Kind of one of them. I think Williams was the second one, right? The one that yeah, yeah. It was either it was either Williams or or Watson, but I could not remember exactly. But uh, just nice, nice play, and obviously you take a one-on-one uh, coverage with the rookie that we had on him. Like, yeah, I mean, it's that was that was just pretty good design by them. And and so at this point, you're like, okay. We look on the clock and there's 16 seconds, and you're like, okay, well, this is what happened in the AFC divisional playoff game when we had 13 seconds. Now, obviously, they kicked the ball off, and I believe it was Burton. They squibbed it because they, they learned from last year, right? They didn't kick it out, they didn't try to kick it out of the end zone, they squibbed it. So I think Burton picked it up, and that's what took out four seconds. So we had 12 seconds to get anything, and I believe it was literally a play to McKinnon, and it was a catch to Kelsey. Literally with, I think we had one second left on the clock, which ended up being um, the 62-yard field goal by Harrison Butker there at the end of the half to tie it up at 10-10. And uh, I will say it's, it's it's odd because, once again, this is a podcast that we record that mentioned something last week or last episode about, um, hey, you know, this the replacement kicker made a 59-yard field goal. Guess what? Butker's going to have to break that now. What does he do? He comes out and breaks the record like six mm-hmm. days later, really. But um, so going in the half, it's 10 10. Uh, like I said, I know you obviously hadn't seen a whole lot of it at that point because it probably, like I said, you still listen to it on the radio. But what are you thinking so far at this point? Because obviously, I think most fans are thinking 10 10 at halftime. This thing is probably should be in the 20s by now. Um, yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about how, you know, we could definitely see, in a def- say, see it being a defensive struggle. Um, but I actually felt good going into the half, right? Because I'm not mistaken, it was our ball coming out, right, because we had deferred. Yeah, you would get the ball in the second um, half. Yep. So, you know, we tie it, and I'm like, okay, cool. You know, Chiefs can end up going up a touchdown. Um, you know, this could be on the positive side for us. So, felt good. Um, the fact that, you know, Harrison just hit a 62-yard bomb, and I think they said it would be good for 67 yards. Right. Um, you know, it was, was good. So, you know, I, was, I felt good going into the half. Um and uh, knew that, you know, adjustments would be made and we'd come out playing a little bit differently. I agree. Yeah, I felt like, um, you know, that's where the game was going to be won, obviously, is in that second half adjustments, as pretty much always is. So uh, getting the ball back in the second half, I felt like that was, um, like you said, pretty much a good a good way to kind of start there and see what, see what happened. But um, so obviously we did come out on on the second half drive, that first drive, or sorry, that first um yeah, first drive of the second half. And, um, you know, obviously we ha- it just came down to a field goal again because we couldn't get a touchdown, got stuffed inside the red zone, and that's where Harrison Butker misses a 51-yard field goal. 
and you're kind of like, oh, no, here we go again with the ki- the kickers and you know, the field goals. But, hey, it's his first game back. He just made a 62-yarder. You know, 51s aren't easy, too. I mean, they're not like inside, you know, 40s or whatever field goals. They're not, the, they're not always those easy field goals. But this leads to um, another uh, touchdown drive for uh, the Bills where um, Josh Allen hooked up with Stephon Diggs this time with another sideline touchdown pass for 17 yards, uh, which was, I think it was, if I remember correctly looking at it, it was a nice move by Diggs, but it was just a better throw by Allen, just beating over the, one of our rookie cornerbacks again uh, for them to take that 17 uh, to 10 lead, which leads to um, our next drive. Basically, we had came down and um, almost got stuffed inside the red zone again, but uh, Mahomes made one of those uh, miraculously throws that, he zips it like literally right through two people. And the guy that was on uh, McCall Hardman, who caught the touchdown pass for three yards, he was literally on the guy. I mean, all he had to do was like stick out his arm and probably the ball would have been incomplete. I mean, I, I just, how Mahomes like zips that ball so well sometimes to some of the receivers, it's just insane to watch. But uh, that was a good, good catch and obviously a better throw by Mahomes. Uh, for us to end up tying at 17 at that point. I don't know, at that point, uh, you know, you had heard that on the radio. Like, did they say anything special or anything? Like, how how great that throw was or anything? No, I mean, I was listening to the broadcast, right? So, or sorry, the – I was watching – well, I had it on YouTube TV. Obviously, I wasn't watching it as I'm driving. Right. But, no, I mean, um, you know, again, right, anytime Patrick Mays a play like that, um, you know, Tony Romo, Tony Romo definitely had some up. Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, and then, so then after that, the uh, Bills actually have a drive where um, – oh, it's another – actually, sorry, this is another fourth and three they go for it. So, that, I forgot that. I forgot how many times they went for a fourth down in this game because it was unbelievable. So, no, they, they go for it on fourth and three at our 46-yard line. And uh, ends up being incomplete, so it ends up pulling downs where we have a short field that we end up getting a uh, Harrison Budker uh, 44-yard field goal to take the lead at 2017 at that point, uh, which then kind of comes down to um, the Bills basically, or actually, I'm sorry, the next drive that we get the ensuing uh, after they had punted, we got we got the ball back. And this is kind of the turning point a little bit in the game. And I feel like uh, it's just kind of one of the classic, I would say, Andy Reid kind of play calling he has when we're up, um, you know, late in the game where he's not as aggressive on, on some of these teams that he plays against. And I think not being aggressive against someone like the Bills kind of cost you. So obviously when you see on first down, they ran the ball. And then on suck, second down, they ran the ball. And you're thinking like this is just being conservative. Obviously, third down, um, you know, incomplete pass. So we're, we're so it's three and out, and we're having to punt uh, to the Bills. And I believe they have about it's about a little about six minutes to go in the game. Uh, and then you know, what do you know? They they basically have a nice drive come down uh, and score with about a minute and four seconds left in the game with a 14 yard touchdown pass from Josh Allen to Dawson Knox. Uh, which, you know, at this point in the game, I don't know what you're kind of thinking, but you know, obviously we got a minute and four seconds left. I believe we have two timeouts because we used one timeout earlier in the in the second half. Um, so we actually have, you know, some time to do some things. But at this point, I mean, 
you you kind of probably feeling like probably the rest of the Chiefs fans and saying, okay, this is Mahomes magic again. Yes, right. we're not down. We're not down three points. We're down. You know, obviously we have to score a touchdown because we're down four. But I mean, yeah. what are you kind of your thoughts at this point? No, hundred um, percent. I was definitely like, you know, plenty of time. I'm glad they scored when they did. There's plenty of time for us to um, drive down, get a touchdown, win this game with no time left. All right. So, um, you know, obviously, it doesn't turn out the way Chiefs fans were. I thought, obviously, first down, it was a uh, incomplete pass to McCole Hardman, and then on second down, uh, Mahomes is kind of scrambling and he kind of forced the ball in. Uh, I can't remember who he actually was going to because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Kelsey was open on this play. Uh, but I think I want to say he was it was intended for uh, Marvell's Val Scantley, but I can't remember. It was either him or Hardman, and um, and it just kind of forced it in. And uh, obviously the Bills picked the bat, picked the pass off to pretty much in the game right then and there. So kind of ended any um, hopes of the Chiefs coming back. Um, you know, obviously uh, uh, take the lead, but uh, so the Bills ended up pulling up the twenty-four to twenty victory. Any thoughts on that uh, on that last drive or what they could have done better? Yeah, I mean, I think um, Mahomes' uh, vision was impeded by, uh, I think it was Von Miller that was rushing right and jumped up to to block a pass right. That's where Patrick kind of has to do a sidearm. Um, and, yeah, a little bit uncharacteristic from a mistake and not seeing a defender, but I just explained why I think he didn't see him. Um, but, yeah, it was very, uh, very avoidable and uh, – very uncharacteristic Mahomes to make such a simple mistake, right? You usually can't pump the ball and then make a throw um, on, you know, on a curl route in that location of the field because corners are jumping that or safety that's hanging out. You know, if they're in zone, they're jumping, you know, the ball movement. So, um, again, I think, you know, you got to live with the Mahomes magics when, it, when it's good and you got to live with it when it's bad. Right, right, exactly. It's kind of like how it was in that, that first interception he had in that first drive. Uh, just you, you always with the, live with the good stuff. Like I said, it ends up, and then obviously you got to die with the bad stuff, but obviously it, it ends up being, in the end, most of the time, you know, being a good play. So um, overall, um, you know, I thought it was a good game. Uh, you know, kind of their back and forth. I mean, obviously we we now dropped to the Bills two, game, two games in a row as far as regular season-wise um, at home, but – they obviously played a lot better in this game than I expected, um, especially compared to that game last year. It was just a disaster. In this game, they actually had a chance to win, just couldn't pull it out there in the end. Yeah, I mean, and there's definitely some good numbers out there about the Chiefs' offense because um, this one was definitely on the offense, right? I mean, you helped the Buffalo Bills, um, who I know the Steelers are not a good team, right, but they put up – I know Josh Allen had four touchdowns in the first half versus Steelers last week. Um, the defense, although – Everyone talks about Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs burning the secondary constantly for long touchdowns. Um, I mean, you know, they still held the Bills at 24 points and had us in it, right? They, um, yeah, they didn't make a stop, right? Um, They're at the end uh, to keep Dawson Knox at the end zone, but still plenty of time for the Chiefs. Um, you know, I think everyone understands the Chiefs' offense is the strength. The defense is about mid-tier. And, again, we had a ton of young uh, rookies playing out there in the secondary. And they'll just learn from this experience, right? No Super Bowls are won in week six, and they also right. aren't lost either. So, uh, again, I think there's a, you know, everyone's going to blame the defense. The pass rush was pretty bad um, constantly. Uh, you know, not a lot of pressure unless, um, you know, it was a coverage sack opportunity for the right. most part. 
Um, but yeah, but like I said, for me, it was the offense. And there's some numbers out there, right, that you know you can scroll through Twitter. People put numbers out all the time about um, how many drives they scored on the the second half drives and how they went. I mean, right, we didn't score. Uh, sorry, well, I guess we did score with um, Nicole's touchdown. Um, but aside it. from that, the drives were pretty, pretty um, um, bland, and obviously didn't equate to touchdowns. So, yeah, yeah, I definitely put this one on the offense once again. Yeah, I mean, he scored ten points in the first half and ten points in the second half. Uh, I mean, he's trying to uh, beat a high scoring power offense like the Bills. You know, it's not going to attend well. I mean, obviously, they end up only, like you said, they only end up scoring twenty four as well. Uh, so our defense obviously played well enough to only give them twenty four, but. Uh, the Chiefs got to expect when they're playing the Bills like this, even even how well your defense is doing, or you know, even if your defense is playing average enough, you got to score almost in the 30s. Um, you know, on this team, obviously, like like it was in the uh, divisional playoff game, right? It was back and forth. Uh, so, uh, and I know we didn't talk about this real quick. There was a couple, you know, a couple flags that probably could have went either way. I mean, obviously, there was one I didn't, I couldn't see because it was on the other side of the field. Uh, I'll talk about the one more. Uh, apparently, it looks like Josh Allen got tripped by Chris oh, yeah. Jones. They didn't call it, but um, after I got home and I watched it, it definitely was a trip, and he probably should have gotten called for it. So, you know, is that is that something like, well, Chris Jones, you know, got called for something last week. He didn't get called for this week. It's just they're just so inconsistent about when things should really be called and when they're not called. Um, so they did miss that one for sure. I will say – one that was kind of ticky-tacky was the one where Travis Kelsey got called for pass interference. Yeah, where, that was soft. Where both his arm and the defender's arm were both on each other, and they kind of were both kind of pushing off in a way. And then, obviously, in the end, you know, Kelsey made it, might have, you know, I wouldn't said I wouldn't even said he even pushed off. He kind of might have just shrugged off of him. But, like, it's just that was – that wasn't enough to give it a pass interference call, I wouldn't think. Yeah, I mean, especially when – the game is supposed to be built a little bit more for the offensive players. I mean, that's very that's a very veteran move that they don't call nine out of ten times. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Gabe Davis either caught a long pass or on a touchdown. I watched a few um, videos on Twitter where he does the exact same thing. Actually, I think it was the touchdown. He pushes him off right at the – he pushes off the corner at the right time to get that last bit of separation as the ball is coming, and that makes all the difference, right? And if you've ever played football as a corner, it's the hardest position because you're running backwards constantly faster, uh, following the fastest player on the field. Yeah. So any slight knock off of your – I mean, same thing for the receiver, right? If the corner bumps him just a little bit, makes him take a, a misstep, he probably won't make a, a catch, right, a long bar or something like that. So every single step and and movement counts. And, yeah, without a doubt, like Gabe Davis does the exact same – well, similar. He does something similar, not the exact same thing that Travis Kelsey did, and they didn't call it there, so – um, you know, and I get it. I get being a referee is very, very difficult. The NFL has a ton of them on the field as well as, you know, get them out in the replay booth. Um, again, we shouldn't be missing calls like this as often. Um, but ultimately, that's not why the Chiefs lost, right? Um, to your not point from earlier, a tripping was 1,000% a tripping call. I completely understand mm, why yeah. Josh Allen was pretty upset. Um, he should have been in every way because, yeah, that was as clear of a tripping as can be. So I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if they find people for that, but I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Jones got a little fine like Tom Brady did. Um, but yeah, again, be- right, just just bad refereeing. Like, I understand mistakes happen. 
But some of this stuff, man, is just terrible. And it is game-altering, like Gabe Davis' touchdown, like that Travis Kelsey catch, um, so on and so forth. Which, obviously, you know, on that Kelsey pass interference, we end up getting the yards back anyways. I think there was another penalty um, about something like – something similar but not as bad later in the second half that we end up getting the yards back anyways. And I think that was the McCall, McCall Hardman uh, touchdown. So, I mean, the thing of it is, is like those penalties – do kind of haunt you, but I mean, obviously, sometimes it doesn't end up mattering at the end of the game, and obviously, they didn't. Either one of those calls did not affect the way this game, um, you know, came out with. But there are, there have been calls that does, you know, in the past, um, you know, they could decide a game. But you know, luckily, the ones that were like on us or anything like that, it didn't really affect, you know, how those drives ended, um, per se, on those. All right, so going into, I guess, saying kind of favorite moment from the game. I know I was talking with you here a little bit ago before we started this, and I was like, man, I, just, I, I couldn't say, and not trying to, you know, discredit the Chiefs or anything, but I was trying to think, just thinking just like kind of like my favorite moment from the game because there was a lot of, like, I would say, like, good moments, you know, stuff that happens, like, on normal, but nothing like you hadn't seen before or something that was kind of, you know, out of the ordinary, I guess you would say, because, um, you know, Mahomes makes, you know, throws like crazy throws all the time. So, um, and we kind of mentioned those comments already. So the only thing I went with was just because it was Harrison Butker's first week back, um, and it was actually his first. Well, that was the second kick. I think right, it was the second kick of the game. Um, regardless, it was the 62-yarder right before half. It was against the wind, and he makes it, and you know, pretty much breaks a six-day-old record that Matthew Wright, you know, set uh, the previous weekend for the 59-yarder. So um, that was pretty much. I'll probably have to give that one because it was right before the half kind of pumped up the crowd and everyone's like, all right, you got to kick her back. So I think that one was probably like my favorite moment of the game. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, right, we were talking about it and I was like, I can't really think of a favorite moment just because we lost. But um, I mean, I guess that would be pretty cool, right? Um, breaks a record that was just broken last week um, by our backup kicker. Um, so that was cool. Um, but even like from a plays perspective, I can't think of anything that I was just like, wow, that was amazing. Right. right. Um, mm -hmm. The one that, McCole catches – sorry, the one that had big play potential was the one where Patrick overthrows McColl. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if McCole just didn't run at the right depth. Um, I think that one would have been – well, one, it would have kept the drive alive. Um, but that had big play potential, especially if McCole was able to flatten out his route a little bit more as he's breaking towards the sideline, catch it, you know, turn up field. Um, I think that had big play potential. Um, or favorite moment potential, but you know it didn't happen. So, right. I guess I'll, I'll stick with you on Harrison Bucker from sixty-two yards. Yep. Um, and then so my game ball. Um, so reason why I went with a game ball for the Chiefs on the Colts game was because it was an ugly game anyway. So I had to give somebody credit for that game. But this game, this time I'm gonna get it right. So so on my game ball actually goes to your boy, the Bills offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. And the reason why I say that is because they they had a game plan as far as attacking these rookie cornerbacks and defensive backs. And they when they saw single coverage, especially when, you know, Josh Allen saw single coverage, they made a point to go to them. And most of the time, they were hitting these sideline passes really well the whole game. I mean, obviously, two of them were touchdowns. But uh, they were going – it was most of the whole game. Like, they weren't really going in the middle of the field. They were hitting these sideline passes that were going for, you know, 10, 15 yards at least. So – um, let's give credit to 
them being prepared, um, you know, kind of against their defense. And I just kind of give him credit for it. No, yeah, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly with you, right, is there are times like the indie game when you are a much better team and you are playing better than them, but you make a few mistakes um, in the game, right, and then you lose. And then there are games like the Bills game where they just – the better team just won overall, right? They're the team that made more plays. They did make mistakes. Um, the Chiefs, for their second loss of the season, make mistakes to lose a game. And, yeah, so Ken Dorsey – I mean, I was just going to go with Josh Allen. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, whether it's Allen or Dorsey, I mean, that is my boy Ken Dorsey, hopefully. I'm sure he'll be up there in the coaching vacancy carousel as soon as the season is over, especially if the Bills win a Super Bowl. Um, he'll be one of the hottest offensive coordinator candidates who, you know, I, I say go to Carolina, even though they don't have a lot of draft capital. Right. But if not, man, a great team for him to go to is uh, the Chargers. Because if the Chargers don't make the playoffs, I think they're firing Brandon Staley. And Ken Dorsey with Justin Herbert would be something nice to watch. For From a football yeah, perspective, not as a, Char- not as a Chiefs fan, because then we have to play against him. Yeah, I mean, in that in that aspect too, I can see what you're saying. That he's got a young quarterback, you know, that's good. That's that's looking like you know could be obviously, um, you know. I mean, I don't know if I consider him top five in the league right now, but I think you know he could get there. Um, oh yeah, with more consistent play, and then obviously having someone like Ken Dorsey on there, like you see what Doug Peterson has done to Trevor Lawrence already. I mean, even though he's been struggling um, a little bit <laughs> as a plate, but uh, you know he, but he started well, so I mean he's he's getting there. So he's still a second year guy too as well but i mean he's helped so you see a, a coach like that um definitely can change the team so hopefully yeah he lands um you know some head coaching job in the offseason and hopefully it's a team that like i said has a good young quarterback or in a position to draft um a good uh, young quarterback because i believe this draft coming up will have lots of quarterbacks better than last year um for what i think you were telling me i believe um might have oh, yeah. some more talent all right, so going uh, last thing I guess from this game is kind of like you know if there's a player disappointed or uh, things at this point in this game, I and mean, obviously there's a lot um, of different things that could have went differently. Um, I'm going to actually go with pretty much just the, it's the Chiefs' inconsistent running the ball is kind of hurting the offense as a whole. Um, and actually, um, you know, Arrowhead Pride put actually put a good article about it today, basically saying that you know it's kind of like. When you have a running back by committee and um, it's hard for someone to basically one of those guys to get in a rhythm because you're switching them on and off. Um, you're not giving them the ball enough to run the ball either as well. So it's it's almost like you need to they need to find either, you know, one guy or I mean, I wouldn't say exactly one guy. Right. But, you know, it's a good rhythm of them going back and forth between two of these guys. Because um, if it's not Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, then make it Pacheco and McKinnon. You know, give them a good, consistent, you know, running attack. But it's I think that's what's hurting the offense the most right now. And it kind of showed in this Bills game as well. I mean, McKinnon got two carries. Pacheco got two carries. I think um, Clyde got eight eight or nine carries. But he's averaging, he averaged, like, what, 3.7 yards a carry in this game. So, um, you know, I look for, obviously, not to be a lot of changes for that going to this Niners game. Uh, coming up but hopefully after the bye week they might change something up on this end but I think that's kind of just kind of where I, I led at is just the kind of the running game is just it's not it, it's not consistent enough to why um you know where or at least where it should be right now but that's I think that's kind of what disappointed me the most from the game 
Yeah, I mean, for me, um, it, it was Patrick Mahomes, right? But I think uh, what you say is spot on. So um, aside from Patrick, I would probably put it on the offensive line because I think that's the biggest reason why we can't run the ball is when we're playing some really good teams, right? This is the hardest part of the schedule and arguably the hardest schedule in the NFL history. Um, but you can't complain about things you can't change. So the, the, the offensive line has not done a great job pass blocking, has not done um, a good job uh, run blocking. So, you know, whether it's Clyde, Isaiah, or Jarek, I mean, you can put prime Adrian Peterson back there and he probably doesn't have much space to run against the Bills, the Chargers, whoever it is. So right. I think the offensive line needs to improve. Um, you know, we've been talking about how Orlando Brown bet on himself. And so far, it's it's working in the Chiefs' favor from a monetary perspective because you can come back and say, well, um, you know, you went up against the best and you are not nowhere near the best that, you know, we feel a prime left tackle should play. Um, now you've been two years into trading for you. So, you know, you could say that you gave up a late first-round pick for a player that was already established. and like most late first rounders, he hasn't really, I shouldn't say most, like a lot of first uh, late first rounders, he hasn't really panned out mm-hmm. um, to be that elite level that you want, let's say, a first round pick to be, or a guy like Orlando that you traded a lot of things for. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I want him to be good, right? I mean, I'd rather him be good than than us potentially save money and keep him for a on a shorter deal because, you know, you want your left tackle to be amazing and you want him to be Trent Williams level. Right. But, um, but yeah, Orlando Brown, I mean, and, and we know Andrew Wiley is not, um, you know, a starting right tackle in the NFL. I mean, he starts, but, I mean, um, let's say from a caliber perspective, you want an upgrade at that position. Because, yeah, nowadays all teams usually have two good end rushers, as the Bills do, as the Raiders do, um, as the Chargers were hoping to have. Um, so, yeah, so for me, it's, of course, Patrick and his decision-making on those interceptions, but mostly on the offensive line and what they aren't able to do on the ends. Dooney, Humphrey, and Smith, they're much better. Um, so we really got to shore up those ends, the, the tackle spots, to make sure that this this line is just as good as it was last year, if not better. And offensive line was probably another one I would probably choose with. And, it, uh, and like you just kind of mentioned, like teams that we played with so far, I mean, obviously – you know, outside of maybe the Cardinals and or Cardinals and Colts, the other four games we played, they've had really good defensive lines. And does, guess what? It's not going to get any better because we play the Niners this week. Um, so it's like, you know, that's it's just going to be maybe more of a struggle this week too as well to see what happens. But, um, you know, there's rumors. The thing of, is, Nick Vos is hurt. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But they still have a pretty good yeah. line, though, even without They have one more. <laughs> I forget his name, but he's still a pretty good rusher. But, yeah, not having Nick Vos definitely helps. Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, going into it, we'll definitely have to see, um, you know, obviously I think there has been rumors of, you know, Eric Fisher being in town today. So, you know, will they have signed him to play right tackle or are they going to change anything up, you know, maybe during the bye week, you know, coming up after the Niners game. But uh, we'll have to see what what happens with that right tackle spot. Obviously, um, Lucas Niang was on the uh, pub list to start the season. You know, he might be back after the bye week. You know, maybe they mix um, – I think the guy you were saying, you know, before this season started, like John Christian, like, you know, what will they do maybe to see if they might change it up? Because, you know, Wiley played decent enough last year um, to just keep playing decent enough, right? 
Well, now it's right. starting to be a problem where it's not really it's not decent enough anymore to get the job done. So, um, you know, look to see what the Chiefs do with maybe a different um, offensive line look as far as on that right tackle after the bye week, and then also maybe running the running the ball. Um, you know, they make changes there um, as far as on that after the bye week too as well. All right, so heading into our final thoughts topic uh, for today, uh, kind of talking about how um, how can the NFL fix these schedule issues that they have. Um, so I know this is a big topic that we've been kind of wanting to talk about. I think we've touched about it on the past, but um, it's kind of a really good time to touch about it again. Obviously, the NFL came out today uh, and basically said that uh, there's going to be a Black Friday game next year, um, day after Thanksgiving, the first time they've ever done that. Uh, you know, it's like a, I think it's like a 3 p.m. game or something like that. But, you know, kind of like we were joking about it. I mean, so far, you know, the Amazon games, the Thursday night games, outside of our game, which – um, you know, was probably the be- obviously clearly the best Thursday night football game so far this year, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, uh, with, with us and the Chargers. All the other Thursday night games have been crap. Um, you know, so you know we're kind of making fun of the, you know the game that they're going to have next year on Black Friday could be like the Lions and Broncos or something like that. You know, nothing they aren't going to put like the Bills and Chiefs on that uh, for next year. But I guess uh, I'll start it with you as far as like uh, your thoughts because I know you're a big person on. Uh, I mean, you're you're much huge on not liking Thursday night football than most people, even though majority of people don't like Thursday night football. Yeah, so I I think of it from two two different views. From a football coach, football player perspective, the players and the coaches hate it, especially because you have a Sunday night game uh, or Sunday game for the most part, and then you turn around in three days and you're playing um, four days, right? And how most NFL schedules work is Monday is an off, sorry, Monday is a recovery day. Um, so the players, right, come in, do training, they go over film, all that stuff. Tuesday is their day off. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are install, you know, like real practice days. So when you do that, you either don't have a day off or you're only two days after recovery, which for a game that is very, very violent, that's just not enough time, right? So um, I've always said, I think if they got rid of it and like college, I remember, you know, when we were kids, college football had Thursday nights. It was a pretty decent matchup. Um, I remember the downfall of the Miami program was on a Thursday night versus Virginia. Um, so, yeah, so I remember those days and there's still football games now, right? But they're overshadowed by the NFL. So for me, the way to fix it is get rid of it. But it won't go away because Amazon just got this humongous contract with the NFL. Um and the easy answer is to stop, stop scheduling bad games or sorry, bad teams. So I'd be interested to see in the like what goes on in these meetings to determine who is on Thursday night. Because as I look through not only the previous ones, minus Chiefs and Chargers, they're all pretty bad teams. Um, I guess you can say the Bengals and the Dolphins wasn't too bad. Um, but I mean, the Dolphins didn't make the playoffs last year. So whenever the schedule was made, they weren't as good as they, as they had been with Tua. Um, Tyreek and Jalen. The Bengals, of course, were good, so they're fun to watch. But even looking through some of the other matchups, I mean, there's a, you know, who knows if, I mean, the Jets are 4-2 and two at the moment. Um, but there's a Jaguars-Jets game down the road. Um, there's a few others that I like that are just like, do they pick the worst matchup um, in the NFL uh, for, the, for that Thursday to take some prestige off of sense, or sorry, not to diminish the prestige on Sunday? I'm not right. sure, but um, like I said, I think my first fix would be just remove it. 
um, let the players and the coaches, you know, have those days. And if not, which they're not going to because of Amazon's contract, it should be that the only way you're eligible to play on Thursdays is if you had a bye the previous week. Because it's just the, the football is bad because the teams aren't well prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, if you stop scheduling sorry teams, um, you know, that's a way to fix it too. So anyone that's projected to have a top 15 pick, which for the most part we know, right? We know that right. the Texans, the Panthers, the Commanders, the Lions, um, I guess the Raiders are bad right now, which we everyone thought, you know, they'd be a little bit better. But you know for sure. So, like, those teams shouldn't get any primetime games. Now I get their fans probably do want to watch them on primetime. But, um, so, yeah, there's there's three potential fixes for me. End it. Give college football Thursdays back. Uh, don't schedule bad teams the year before when the schedule is made. And then if not, only let – and maybe Thursday night football needs to start later aside from the kickoff game. but only let teams that are on a bye week the week before play on Thursday that be eligible to play on Thursday night because it's just for a uh, for football there's so much organizing and getting into the game plan that's why we see such bad football aside from it being bad teams on Thursday and for I think for the most part I, I agree with you about the bye weeks thing I think I can see that like how the bye weeks thing because like I said there's no clear way of this going away because you know thursday nights are going to be owned by amazon for however long for the see of a f- future and the nfl consistently says we want to have a thursday night game right. um an example of what we're talking about uh, how crappy stuff is there is three primetime games in week seven and none of the teams are above 500 so thursday night <laughs> football this week is the saints versus the car the saints versus the cardinals and they're both two and four if you look at Sunday night football, it is Pittsburgh and Miami. Okay, so Miami is 500. So Pittsburgh's 2-4 and four, and Miami's 3-3. Three and three. And then you go to Monday night football, which, okay, the Patriots are 500 at 3-3, three and three, and the Bears are 2-4. and four. So, I mean, so I guess I'm mistaken. There's no team above 500. I mean, yeah, I know we are in week seven, but um, you got to have better matchups on these primetime games. So there's that for one. So um, – my fix would be because you can't obviously you're not going to move Thursday night games, um, and then obviously you got these London games early in the morning. You got obviously the Germany game first time this year with Tampa and Seattle. Is and this is going to happen eventually. I think when they when they cut down a preseason game, they went to 17 uh, games, 18 weeks, and I think this is going to happen where it's going to be 18 games and they're going to be 19 weeks, and they're going to be two preseason games. They're going to cut off, or they're going to so they're going to cut off that preseason game to add an extra game. It's just, like I said, it's only going to happen. So what's going to so what they need to do is you add an extra bye week in there. So every team has two bye weeks. You have the inaugural Thursday night football right, which kicks off the season in week one, but you start the bye weeks earlier because now you have two right. So what you do is um, you don't have a Thursday night football for week two, so you just don't have one for week two. But you start week three again, and guess what the team. There's a team. There's two teams that have a bye week two, and they play Thursday night uh, for week three. And you do that throughout the season. And the only teams that you put on Thursday night football are rivalry games: Chiefs, Raiders, uh, Bengals, Steelers. You only do that for people that are in your division, so that actually they play better 
with each other and they have that extra what 10 days or extra um you know week of rest right before they play the game so you don't so you eliminate this whole thing where you got the cardinals and the saints where they don't play each other as often as rivalry teams do and obviously um you have enough to where you can have all 32 teams play on thursday night football throughout the whole season yeah you might get two bad teams in a division playing each other you know maybe like a uh, what lions and bears game or something like that but hey there are rivalries and there's people right. that that you know you know hate that team as much whatever or don't dislike that team that uh you know they play each other twice a year but i feel like that's the fix for thursday night football on that end now when you're talking about you know sunday and monday they're normally pretty good but i think on monday night football it should definitely only be teams that are are always say like elite teams now obviously you don't want to have the chiefs on monday night football like three day three weeks in a row or you know have them on sunday night and monday night three weeks well you can't do that because it's just kind of a little bit too biased i mean people would probably love to see that but you can't do that but that's another thing too with um onto even those games is like i know it's hard for if you if you're originally scheduled to play sunday to move them to monday it's probably hard to do that because it's not like a covid thing anymore but at least starting earlier in the season, they should flex Sunday games too. So if it's a, um, you know, it's a week, I would probably say, because they don't even start that to what, week 11, like 10 or 11, 12, right. something like that. They should probably start that week four um, and, you know, to kind of fix Sunday night games. So on that end, but yeah, as far as like scheduling some of these games out better, I mean, that's kind of like my thoughts is, um, you know, once they go to 18 games that they're playing, they're going to add an extra bye week, and I think that will fix a little bit of it. It might not fix all of it, but I think that's just a good suggestion. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's definitely something better because, um, first of all, stop putting the Broncos on any primetime games. And then yeah. the Commanders and the Bears, that game was terrible. Right. Um, which everyone knew that was, game was going to be terrible. So, uh, like I said, I don't know. Maybe they think, let's get it off some nice late so those people don't have to waste their time going. And watching this team on Sunday. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's just one of those things like I mean, I'd love to be in that room for like these people to decide like how they, they throw these people together. Cause I mean, if not mistaken, I think every team plays once on Thursday night, right? I think like no team plays twice, every play plays once, but right now it doesn't matter because you play a game Sunday, like you said, you're on off day, a rest day Monday, and then you're practice Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you know, obviously probably like a light walkthrough on Thursday and you have the game that night and you're like still recovering from the game you just played Sunday. So it's, it, it definitely isn't fair to the players and it's not fair to the fans like us, you know, watching these games and tuning in because, I mean, that Washington game, I might have tuned in for like five minutes, maybe max, um, and then I turned it off. It just is, it wasn't worth watching. Um, that Broncos game the other night, I mean, it just just was bad as the one where they were playing at home and their fans were leaving, you know, when it hit overtime. So um, it's just they, they need to do something kind of better with it. But uh, it's definitely a good, a good conversation piece to, you know, see what they can do. But uh, it's, it's almost just like on the refs level, right? Like how can you improve the refs kind of thing? But um, I think there's always more improvement, right, to make things better for especially scheduling-wise. Yeah, I mean, in – I'd, I'd like to understand also, I mean, and I get it because everyone has their own perception of things, but just the, the Broncos, right? How, how did anyone legit think 
the only issue they had was Drew Locke in the quarterback position. Right. And then they were going to be good to where, one, they'd be fun to watch on primetime. Two, they'd be competitive. Um, but, like, this is exactly why I didn't get it, how anyone was saying that they were going to be first in the AFC West. Mm-hmm. Um, they added Russell Wilson, and in my head, I was like, oh, well, they just became the fourth best team or the fourth worst team in the division with a very expensive quarterback. Um, and, yeah, I mean, obviously they still have a lot of season left, right? We're only a third, a little bit under a third of the way through the season. Well, not under a third, I guess over a third now. Um, but, but, yeah, like, I don't get – so I don't – yeah, I don't get the thought process on – I like to understand how things happen. So I don't yeah. get the thought process on how someone was like, let's – hey, let's uh, put Justin Fields with absolutely nobody on the team um, on Thursday night. Hey, let's also put Carson Wentz, who has been terribly bad um, since the Super Bowl year with the Eagles, even though he wasn't the quarterback that won the Super Bowl. Um, let's put him and Justin Fields, and it'll be something that basically only diehard commanders and Bears fans would watch. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't get it. Now, of course, you can't put the best game on there, right? Like, you know, we were talking about, but um, I mean, like, at least make one team good. <laughs> so we can see some <laughs> kind of good execution. I don't know. But, but yeah, yeah but like tomorrow, the- or not tomorrow, but. Thursday, right? And you've yeah. got the Cardinals and the Saints. Yeah. Cardinals, they made the playoffs. They they should be better now that DeAndre Hopkins is back. They just got Roby Anderson. They were, um, you know, Kyler Murray was decent last year. So you can at least see that that's a decent team. The Saints, um, you know, just like last year, they're a team that has a terrible cap situation. Um, their quarterback can't stay healthy and he can't stop throwing interceptions. Now their wide receivers can't stay healthy either. So I get that. But again, like at least the Cardinals are a, a decent team to watch. They just haven't been this far so far this year because of suspensions and injuries, right? So mm-hmm. maybe it'll get better from here. Um, I also, I think, thankfully, I don't get to watch all but like the last ten minutes of the, of the Thursday night games. But right. here in a little bit, once practice ends on Thursdays, I'll be able to watch it again. So I'll be able to give you more um, critical feedback. Right for sure. Yeah. So. More to come on that, uh, but like I said, in the meantime, it doesn't obviously it's not going to fix. But it'd be nice if they would have put, you know, even the Bills on more. I know, I think I know they have like three primetime games uh, coming up for them the rest of the year. But I mean, this is a good example of a team that should be on primetime, you know, for the first six weeks and not the Broncos. So um, and, you know, a team coming in the season, you know, they're going to be Super Bowl caliber uh, playoff team. I mean, I even think I even think Tampa Bay has been on. Uh, I mean, maybe one. I don't know if they've been on two pre-team games. I mean, even the primetime games, even though they, you know, have Tom Brady, obviously people are going to tune in for him just for that reason. So um, I just didn't understand that as well. Like, you know, people were tuning in just because Russell Wilson with the Broncos and, you know, I, it changed the whole coach, the culture there and all that. I mean, it just didn't make sense to me, obviously, either. So we will see. Like I said, more to come and see if the NFL does something differently in the future. But for now, it's they uh, they probably don't care as whole lot as the fans do. So we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. All right. So that will actually conclude our episode for today of the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. We will actually be back here later this week with our Week 7 matchup preview uh, between us and the San Francisco 49ers. That is there in... San Francisco, and it's another late afternoon game via 325 uh, p.m. Central Time game as well. So 
Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to follow our podcast and go Chiefs.